Good evening, everyone. Good evening. My name is Arthur White. I'm the Director of External Affairs with Detroit Opera. Hello, everybody. I'm Andrea Scobie. I'm the Director of Education here with Detroit Opera. Um, it's so wonderful to see all these faces. Thank you so much for coming out and spending a little time with us before the performance tonight. Um, Arthur and I are going to delve a little bit into Faust's history, and then we have two incredible guests to talk about the production that you're going to see this evening. Exactly. So this uh, opera, which premiered in 1859 by Charles Gounod, this actually is our sixth production uh, that we have mounted in our 51-year history. Uh, but those of you who probably have seen some of those previous productions, you're going to see and hear things uh, maybe you haven't seen in the previous productions, because we're going to do what's, what's called the, uh, the composer's cut. Uh, and so back when this premiered back in 1859, uh, much like Carmen, you guys all know Carmen, which also has dialogue, uh, there was dialogue in Faust in those days, uh, which kind of later on it was dropped, and so the, usually you probably have not heard it with the dialogue. I think there's only been one or two other productions that have done it with the dialogue. Uh, there also will be some music. Those of you who know uh, Valentine's aria, for example, Avant de quitter ces lieux, you won't hear that aria tonight. That was, that was written later on. Yes, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, it is a great aria. He's leaving. Please don't leave, because you're going to hear a great duet between Valentin and Marguerite, Marguerite that you don't hear normally in the productions. Uh, and so, but actually, if you listen closely at the top of the uh, um, opera in the orchestra, you'll hear Valentin's uh, tune, uh, even though no one will be singing it. But it'll be in the orchestra, so I'll, I'll be thinking of you when we get to that point. Uh, what else can I tell you about this piece? Uh, you know, uh, when this, as I mentioned, it premiered back in 1859, you know, uh, Gounod, pretty much uh, uh, a contemporary of Verdi, right, at the same time in the Romantic uh, period, he's most remembered for his Ave Maria, his sacred uh, piece, but he went on to do 12 operas, and Faust was his most famous, his most popular opera. As a matter of fact, for the first hundred years, this opera was, was tops. You might be one, two, three at opera companies at the time. It's kind of fallen off since uh, then, since then for, various, uh, uh, for various reasons. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was going to tell you, uh, this opera uh, opened uh, the Metropolitan Opera back in 1883 with the first uh, uh, prima donna, Christine Nielsen, those of you who know the old history, uh, fabulous soprano. Uh, but, uh, you know, this piece had an unlikely uh, supporter and a fan uh, on this side of the pond back in those days uh, in no less personage than the President of the United States. Uh, Abraham Lincoln wrote to friends that he loved the opera Faust. He caught a performance, uh, he and Mary Todd Lincoln caught a performance uh, in D.C. when the German opera company came through in March of uh, 1865 to make a performance. Uh, but sadly, though, uh, just uh, 28 days later, uh, Abraham Lincoln would be assassinated by John Wilkes Booth. Uh, often uh, when we see this production, one more thing, I'll hand it over, <laughs> one more thing. Uh, we're used to the old scholar uh, who has become uh, you know, unhappy about his life. Uh, he's felt like he's missed out on life and love. Uh, but this production, we're going to update this production. We'll hear more of that from some of the creative team. Uh, but we're going to be the uh, more, more modern times you're going to see. So this particular uh, fellow is a tech mogul uh, who is uh, disgruntled and uh, he falls in love uh, with a, a lady who works at the local bar, that's Marguerite, and so we'll hear more about uh, that. But I think that's all I'm going to hand over to you if you want to talk more about... Uh, yeah, absolutely. Arthur. So thanks, Arthur. So Arthur gave us a little bit of the history of the music.
musical piece, of course, 1859, the um, premiere of this piece. Uh, but of course, the legend of Faust predates that by hundreds and hundreds of years. There's a long oral tradition of Faust legends. Of course, there's a big literary history with Faust. Um, this is a story that's been handed down through many, many generations um, and many traditions. One of the oldest uh, versions of this tale actually dates from the late sixth century. Uh, it centers on a man named Theophilus who made a deal with the devil to become a bishop. So square that in your brain if you can. He made a deal with the devil to become a bishop. Um, fast forward to the 16th century within Polish folklore, um, and there's a tale of a Krakow man who sold his soul to the devil in exchange for magical powers. He wanted to resurrect the queen. He was in love with the queen. He wanted to bring her back to life. So he sold his soul to the devil in order to resurrect the queen. Now in these legends, he was carried off by the devil, uh, but the devil dropped him on the moon where he still lives to this day, according to uh, our old Polish folklore. But the Faust tales that we know best, and of course the one which inspires the opera that we'll see tonight, um, these were based on a real person, Johann Georg Faust. Um, he's commonly believed to have been born around 1480. Uh, legend says that he was a traveling scholar. Some say that he was a, an astrologer. Some say that he was an alchemist. Um, others just say that he was a con man and a grifter. There's a lot of different stories about this person. Uh, but all of the reports say that he died in very mysterious circumstances. Um, and stories of his life, no matter what the details are, always talk about this pact with the devil. And so it was these stories, this kind of oral tradition, that became the foundation of Christopher Marlowe's play, The Tragical History of the Life and Death of Dr. Faustus, which had at its first London premiere in around 1592. So again, we're still so far back in history telling these tales that we're still telling today. Um, of course, the best known uh, and most influential interpretation of this legend was by uh, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, uh, the German poet, playwright, novelist, and scientist, um, who's often touted as the greatest and most influential writer in the German language. So he wrote this Faust as a dramatic poem. Um, it was published in two parts, in 1808 and in 1831, and it was his version that also established the character of Marguerite, uh, also sometimes known as Gretchen. Um, so this is a tale that has been widely interpreted uh, in works of fiction, poetry, ballet, film, visual arts, of course, uh, we'll see it tonight in opera. Um, Goethe's Faust has been called the definitive Faust, but again, there are so many plays on this story. Um, consider some of our favorites like The Sorcerer's Apprentice, The Picture of Dorian Gray, The Devil and Daniel Webster, all the way up through Little Shop of Horrors and Damn Yankees. All of these stories have this kind of Faustian uh, element of it. So um, Kierkegaard actually reminded us that every historical era will have its own Faust. So here we are in 2022, continuing to tell this story. Um, and with all that background, Arthur, I'm looking forward to our guests who will shed even more light. Can you introduce all them All right, I certainly will. Let me get my, my notes here so I don't mess up. I don't want to say anything wrong here in this wonderful introduction. Uh, we're going to speak with the, uh, the movement director as well as the director of the um, of, the, of, the, of the opera, I'm going to say the performance of the opera, of the production. Uh, he, uh, Raja Feather Kelly, uh, is an Obi-winning choreographer, uh, director, the artistic director of the Feather Theory and creative uh, associate at the Juilliard School. Uh, since 2016, uh, Raja has choreographed extensively for Off-Broadway Theater in New York. Uh, in 2019, he choreographed the musical A Strange Loop, uh, which went on to win the Pulitzer Prize for Drama and the Tony Award 
for Best Musical. Uh, our director, Liliana B uh, Blaine Cruz, uh, she hails from New York uh, and Miami. Uh, she completed her studies at Princeton and Yale. Uh, she directed an off-Broadway, The Skin of Our Teeth, uh, as well as others. Uh, as, and then she went on to do opera at, uh, at the Kennedy Center with Hansel and Gretel, uh, and also this production uh, in Omaha, which is, so we're gonna hear a lot about that. Uh, this will be my first question for her. Uh, she was named Doris Duke Artist, as well as the Lincoln Center Emerging Artist, and she is currently the resident director of Lincoln Center Theater. So please welcome to both Raja Fela Kelly and Liliana Blaine Cruz. All right. Hello, welcome. All right. Hi there. Hello. How are you? How are you? Nice to meet you. Thank you both so much for joining us tonight. Thank so, you. all of that being said, you know, the first question that I want to ask is, I, this is not your first collaboration, right? This production of Faust <laughs> is not your first collaboration. You both are frequent collaborators. I'm wondering if you can start by telling us, how did you meet and how did you begin and embark on this creative partnership? Oh, I wasn't expecting that question. Yeah, Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello, everyone. I met Raja Feather Kelly. <laughs> on a sunny day in New York City. <laughs> and um, I was- You were in a yellow leather jacket. I was in that yellow. That I really wanna have. Raja's, one of Raja's favorite colors is yellow. And um, uh, we were about to work on, well, we were meeting for the first time to talk about a play by Susan Laurie Parks, The Death of the Last Black Man in the Whole Entire World, which as you can imagine by the title, is complicated. Yeah. It's amazing, what do you do? Um, and I was like, so, I just want people moving the whole entire time. What do you think about that? And then Raja said, I could do it. <laughs> Wait, but didn't I accident, someone set us up to meet. Yeah. I did this, I did, I've done this once before and I'm really bad at it. And after I met Liliana, I texted, I thought I texted my friend and I was like, Liliana is so cool. I totally want to work with her, but I sent the message to Liliana. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I like this. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, you what you what you wanted to work with an ensemble, and you wanted them to be on stage the whole time, which was not how it was written, but certainly a part of one of many glorious visions that you've had. And I was game. I, I come from the sort of downtown experimental theater world, and that to me, sort of like problem solving, is a thrill for me. Something I enjoy very much. And then we fell in creative love. And ever since then, we've been working, and it's been wonderful. This yeah. is true. Fantastic. I want to hear about the origins of this production, which started out in Omaha. How did, you, how did that come about, and how, had you worked on Faust before, and how did this all happen? How are, you, how are you here right now? Yes. So, oh my goodness, every time there's a light on and there's yeah, people sitting, so I'm like, bright. here's an aisle. Feel free. Use and the now space, we're going to walk Liliana. down Use the, the aisle. Um, no, it's fun. Hi. Um, so basically, um, I work. I work primarily in the theater, and I love the theater. But opera was something that I was always excited about because of its scale. Right? Mm -hmm. It's essentially theater with m uh, people who can sing insanely. You know, <laughs> and and you put those two together, and you get you can have a possibly really revelatory experience. And so I began telling people, I think I want to do opera. Hey, I want to do opera. And so then opera. Omaha was like, hey, what do you think about Faust? And I was like, yes. And they were like, it's a big opera, and there's a big chorus, and it's in French. And I was like, wonderful. <laughs> because I was excited, because it is essentially theater. And when they said that they wanted to do a version with um, the composer's cut, as you have described it, there was this um, one acknowledgement of the theater of it, right? Like when you have people speaking, you're aware of their humanity. They are human beings. They kind of leave the super elevated plane to become smaller 
in, in their vocal um, track, but in that way, they, they, you kind of live back and forth. You kind of get to undulate between the, the intimate and the extreme, and that was very exciting to me as a, as a theatrical event. And then thinking about, like, where does this live? How does this live? What's going to strike us and move us in my, you know, brief research of, of some other Faust productions, just to see what you're in conversation with, right? Because when you're doing opera, there's something about being in relationship to history, as you guys have so eloquently described. You're part of a lineage. And I was like, Where's the opera for right now of Faust, right? We are constantly engaging with Faustian deals. We are constantly asking ethical questions. We are constantly um, examining what it means to be alive. And so that was exciting to me to do. And one of those um, aspects of liveliness and visceralness that's part of this opera is the chorus. And I wanted that lifeblood to be circulating through them as a community. And so I was like, Raja Feather Kelly, what do you think if we um, activate this opera in a contemporary universe with 50 people, you know, and some cheerleaders? And then Raja said, yes. <laughs> yes, I mean, I, I often think when I have seen opera that the chorus kind of gets, kind of, they come on, they sing, and they go. Mm -hmm. And I was very excited by the proposition that we would like give them backstory and we would you know, not let them just be a picture, but really have them be embodied characters in the production. And so in that, in, uh, at Opera Omaha and going back and forth, is how do, we, how do we get them embodied? How do we enliven them? How do we give them agency? How do we let them have a story that enters and exits and enters again and exit and that it's ongoing so that if you're a person like myself, I love just watching the ensemble. I'm like, what are they doing? Where are they from? And being able to sit back and watch them and also get just as much information about the story um, is thrilling to me and something that you invited and something that I think we do, we, we like to do a lot. So this actually, this was your baby. This wasn't just that you directed the production, Omaha. The whole concept is yours. How fantastic is that? That's right, I want to no, that's fine. I mean, I appreciate what you said about, you know, we are continuing to engage in these ethical questions, maybe not more than ever, but certainly as much as ever these days. And I wonder if you could go a little further with talking about what are the considerations that you had to bring to this piece for a character's behavior in 2022? Because obviously we're working with this text and this music from the 1800s. How, talk a little bit more if you could just about how that translates. Do we still have those same, you know, ethical issues that might be present in the original text? How did those come to have this? 1920 or 2022 like punch yeah so let's let's talk to the the plot this is the other crazy thing about opera you kind of already know what's going to happen before you've already seen the show which is insane like, do we for save me anything? In do, we save like, it? do i spoil it no, oh you, you know. kind of already know so basically right faust who's and, you know, as you described in, in other versions, a philosopher, an astronomer, somebody who studies, a scientist. Workaholic. But, workaholic, but also somebody who has access and privilege to that kind of work, right? Like, he doesn't have to farm. He doesn't have to, like, work out in the fields to survive. He gets to, he has the privilege of accessing that work, which is wonderful. Good. But then he's like, oh, my God, my life is over. And I want to change that. I'm going to make a deal with the devil. Now, he makes a deal with the devil, which is understandable. Sometimes you're like, wow, where did it go? Where's time? What is life? What have I, I done? If I could get it back, what would I do differently? So we understand that, right? I think that there's a, a, an understanding, even though we are tasked with what does that mean? And then the fallout of that is on Marguerite. Marguerite didn't make a deal with the devil. She fell in love with somebody. She got roped in. She got roped in. She didn't make any of these decisions, any of these decisions. And so how is she now caught up in a really complicated game 
by people who had power um, in a position where she didn't. And that is interesting as we live in this world in this particular moment right now as the actions of all of us um, have impacts on people that... On everybody else. On everybody else, you know? And that's, that's complicated. You know, it's not so simplistic because on the one hand, we understand somebody who wants to hold on to life, but what are the repercussions of that and what does that mean? And I think that's a, a, an interesting contemporary ethical question that we are wrestling with today. I, I'm sorry. I, guess I was just going to say, I think something that is particular about setting it in this time is that I think all of you and your children and your friends might look at the stage at any point and see themselves, which I think is the, a difference. You know, if I, I, that, that's something that I think is particular about this production that is that I that I hope happens and that is, ex, is an exciting little thing. You're like, wow, I could be a cheerleader or I could be in the pep rally or I could be. Faust, or I could be Mephistopheles. Like, you might see yourself. I had this question. So I saw the production uh, the other night. Fantastic. This was an example of this really works, updated. Mm -hmm. Some things don't work, but this really, really worked. I had one question about this. So, of course, uh, Marguerite becomes pregnant, of course, as a result of, the, again, the result of all that's going on with Faust. Because we're set today, did you ever, did you worry about, uh, you know, a woman pregnant outside of marriage, Obviously, in that time period when it was written, as opposed to maybe today, were you were you worried that maybe there wouldn't be the, it maybe it isn't the stigma, or is it? Oh, what are we in the midst of right now? Like Please. literally, women's bodies are quite the subject yes. of, and and I think that there's there are plenty of places. I mean, I grew up in places where the the sexual shaming still exists where where it's not i agree that like the out of wedlock is not as un unusual it's not as unfamiliar but like there are still communities that will look down on you that will shame you for not participating in a particular way of being and i think that still exists i think that isolation that she experiences for not fitting into a particular norm um is really poignant because we're aware of how present that can be, you know? That top of third act was heartbreaking, I tell you. I'm sorry, was it oh, breaking it? No, you know, Raja, I'd love to talk to you a little bit, shifting gears about your process in creating the movement for this piece. Um, I know that you have your, have, you know, have come up as a dancer, you have your own dance company. What is it like to set movement for singers as opposed to the trained dancers you might be working with? Um, and how do you differentiate or do you differentiate between movement and choreography? Oh, good very question. good questions. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll answer first to say I don't think them. I don't think about them as being different. That's something that's very important to me. I just people are people, and most of the choreography that I make is about. It starts with behavior, and I think if if I'm able to get the actor or singer or performer to understand in their behavior what they're doing, then I like to think that that's movement, and then getting them to do that repetitively on time and at a scale that's larger than behavior, like then it becomes choreography. It becomes like FASIC if you're like, okay, now do that again, now do it in time, now, now do that and go in that direction, now do that and turn around, now do that and put your hand out. Like you just keep adding the layers and you're like, now you're dancing, good work. <laughs> um, it's a bit of a trick, but it works. Um, and I think it comes from inside of them, it comes from, from behavior, which we all do, right? You got out of your cars, you eat, you brush your hair. These are all behaviors that once I take them on and add to them, then it becomes more than that. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, you know, these sets, which are striking, 
are not are kind of sparse. They're not they're not real heavy like you might see like an old Aida set or something. How does that help support the vision of this production? Yeah, I mean Adam Rigg is an amazing designer. They I think are wonderful at choosing color and creating landscapes from which we can um, in some ways like really focus on the characters, right? Like so much of this opera is around this incredible ensemble of seven beings that we get to watch in space and as a and the chorus and the chorus no i mean i'm saying like in some ways we're watching their story and then the right. chorus is like part of the community that Absolutely. fills that and i think that the set in some ways enhances their visibility as kind of putting them forward in a way that in which we can kind of watch them both in their intimacy and then in their scale you know and that's what i get really excited about that i think it's I like to call it minimalist maximalism. Yes, I didn't stumble on that at all. It's um, it's 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 both open and also impactful. Is my hope. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. You know, I would ask both of you: um, Are there specific? We've talked so much about the many different pieces of this opera, but are there specific elements tonight that you would really encourage our audience to listen or watch mm. for? Whether that's in the music, in the staging, in the movement, what should we be tuning into? I would say two things. They both start with the letter M. <laughs> Can you guess? I think that there's something quite magical about this production, and I think anything that Liliana does, there's like, where is, I think I see, the way I see Liliana is like, where's the magic? Like, where is, because I think that's why we come to see theater or see theatrical productions, because it's bigger than our world in a way. And so there's, there's a lot of magic in the production. And there's also a lot of mania. There's a lot of like mania. I'm like thinking I'm gonna come up with a new word. I'm like, there's mania. There's a lot of mania. Please look for the mania. But, but there's something, again, it's, it's about elevation. The, the production is elevated. And so where you, where you're, where you, when you're able to zoom into those and participate with that, and again, see yourself and your desire for magic or your desire for mania, I think you'll find that there's more than perhaps you might have bargained for. I'm stealing desire for mania. I think yes. that's something that can drive us in specific yeah. ways. I love that. Actually, I had a question, uh, just maybe slightly off uh, Faust. Uh, as you, in your role as resident director at uh, Lincoln Center Theater, uh, what is your what, do you, what is your vision for that for that place? What, do you, what is your vision and your and the work that you're doing? What are you trying to bring to that uh, to that space? Yeah, I mean, I I think in some ways theater and opera is one of the rare spaces where we still gather, we turn off our phones, and we sit in the dark and listen to stories. And that's miraculous to me. When I think about magic, it is literally, going on the M theme, it's wonderful. And I think that to, to, to embrace like the sacredness of that, like how special that is, and how exciting it can be, and thrilling it can be to participate as a community of human beings inside of a story is profound and I don't want us to take that for granted you know I want us to leave the theater feeling more alive you know like there's some things where you go you're like okay cool great and then you forget about it 20 seconds after you leave no I want you to be thinking about it for the rest of your lives because um literally like what else are we here for time is so precious if there's anything that we've discovered from the last two years like we understand that like how quickly things can 
and go. We have no control. So if we do have a choice to sit in a theater and listen, I better make it damn good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's my hope. I hope that we're in good times. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, I think on that note, I don't think we're going to get much better than that tonight, Lillian. I think you've summed it all up. Why are we here? Why do we create? Why do we see art? Why do we make art? Um, I so appreciate that perspective. Um, we have a couple minutes. I would ask if there's any last thoughts that you want to share on Faust, on this experience, on the relevance of this tale. You know, as I mentioned, we started in the sixth century with these stories, and here we are in 2022, still telling these stories. So what, what last words might you leave us with about this piece from each of you? Well, <laughs> I don't know, but I did, when, when we were sitting over there, I did ask Liliana, and you know when you ask someone a question, you're really just talking to yourself. So I'm looking at Liliana, seeing myself, and I'm like, would you make a deal with the devil? Like, is there something that you want so bad that you would do that? And it's a I found it to be a very challenging question that I was asking myself while looking at Liliana in her face. Um, <laughs> but but I, I, think it's, I think it's important to, I think as you said, to think about how our, our actions have impact on others. So while it's a big, a big, fluffy, magical idea to consider making a deal with the devil, I think, in, I think that shows up in our lives in smaller ways. You know, like, just like, you know, cheating, like, take, like taking advantage, like little small things, you know, cutting someone in line. Like, are those small deals with the devils that have impact on on other people and 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 ourselves that we don't think so you know so i i ask you to consider that and then on the flip side of that i'm like love love <laughs> think about love think about the power of love and a special shout out to michaela who you know really brought this production she's the associate director um and she was was here holding it down um and so I just want to shout out her name. Yes, because you'd have to think about, you said this the other day, it takes a village to make theater. And that's also something that's really important that like this is the act of so many people <laughs> making this and putting this together. And that is profound and wonderful. And in some ways, an example of utopia because everybody kind of agreed together to come together and work every day to make something for other people. And that's really exciting to me too. I just want to make one last selfish uh, comment. The second act, the end of the second act. Talk about magical. You have his words you used. You took me back to my, my own first love, so I have to thank you. So you guys are going to look, you're going to have a wonderful performance. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Liviana and Raja, for being here. Pleasure. Uh, and thank you all for uh, taking time thank you so to much. learn a little more about this production. You're going to love this production. So we, thank you for being here, and have a great show. Thank you, and enjoy.